0: Second Chronicles chapter 7 Now when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and Yahweh's glory filled the house. The priests could not enter into Yahweh's house, because Yahweh's glory filled Yahweh's house. All the children of Israel looked on when the fire came down, and Yahweh's glory was on the house. They bowed themselves with their faces to the ground on the pavement, worshipped and gave thanks to Yahweh, saying, For he is good, and his lovingkindness endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before Yahweh. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated God's house. The priests stood according to their positions, the Levites also with instruments of music of Yahweh, which David the king had made to give thanks to Yahweh, when David praised their ministry, saying, For his lovingkindness endures forever. The priests sounded trumpets before them, and all Israel stood. Moreover, Solomon made the middle of the court that was before Yahweh's house holy, for there he offered the burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings, because the bronze altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offering, the meal offering, and the fat. So Solomon held the feast at that time for seven days, and all Israel with him a very great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt. On the eighth day they held a solemn assembly, for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. On the twenty-third day of the seventh month he sent the people away to their tents, joyful and glad of heart for the goodness that Yahweh had shown to David and to Solomon and to Israel his people. Thus Solomon finished Yahweh's house and the king's house and he successfully completed all that came into Solomon's heart to make in Yahweh's house and in his own house. Yahweh appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the sky so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and made this house holy, that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually as for you if you will walk before me as david your father walked and do according to all that i have commanded you and will keep my statutes and my ordinances then i will establish the throne of your kingdom according as i covenanted with david your father saying there shall not fail you a man to be ruler in israel but if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck them up by the roots out of my land which I have given them. And this house which I have made holy for my name, I will cast out of my sight, and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. This house which is so high, everyone who passes by it shall be astonished and shall say, Why has Yahweh done this to this land and to this house? They shall answer, because they abandoned Yahweh, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, and took other gods, worshipped them, and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this evil on them. So this is the end of the dedication of the temple. Everything's done. The temple is now starting to function. And God appears to Solomon in a dream a second time. It says in that there that he appeared at night. That just means in a dream. Uh, We know that because earlier, when God appeared to Solomon the first time, it said he appeared at night. But in the King's story, it says he appeared in a dream. So if if you say God spoke to me last night, well, it's probably in a dream. (laughs) May not be, but in this case, we do know it was in a dream. So the Lord spoke to him again. And this is where we get that very famous passage, uh, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, where it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that you know, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. So that is a first person quote from God. Because this is something God said to Solomon in the dream. And God said to Solomon, Basically, a re- reiteration of the promise. He said, "If you do what's right, I'm going to bless your family line and do what I said to David. If you do what's wrong, I'm still going to keep my promise to David. I'm going to rip you, rip you know, tear down this temple." So it was a promise both ways. But he also said to Solomon that he would hear the prayers played in this place. Now you will remember, hopefully, that I said in the last chapter that the place that was chosen you know, in the Old Testament it was Jerusalem and the temple, but in the New Testament the place is the body of Christ, it's the people of God, that's the place that is chosen. So if my people who are called by my name would pray in that place, it's talking about the prayers of Christians, the prayers of God's people. Years ago, we, um, we, there was a terrible drought in Queensland, 2002 this was, they called it the drought, the centennial drought or the century drought, because it was supposedly the worst drought in 100 years. And we, um, we prayed for rain in Mount Morgan and the dam was amazingly filled. I wrote a letter to something like 28 shires. Well, these are councils out in all the western areas where there was all the drought. And I said, look, we've had this great answer to prayer in Mount Morgan. Can we come and pray in your shire? And out of all those shires, only two responded and said, please come. And that was the and Shire and the Jericho Shire. So we went and prayed. When we were there, I was meeting with the Uniting Church, like we prayed along with the other believers of that town, and the Uniting Church minister out there at the time in Calden, he said to me, he said, can we do this? Can we pray to break the drought? And uh, the way he was thinking of it was that it was the sins of the people that had brought the drought on the land and that they needed to repent. But see, this scripture says, if my people who are called by my name so I was saying to him, no, we can repent for them. <laughs> we're the people of God. Now, the truth might be somewhere in between those two points, but it's essential that we, the people of God, pray. We have a huge say over what happens. And so we did. We went out there to Barcaldon, and in the middle of our prayer service that night, it pelted down rain. was—we were, In fact, we hadn't even got to the prayer. We'd only just started the service, and the rain came out of nowhere and just... So loud on the roof, we couldn't even hear ourselves singing. And the song we were singing was, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hands have made. So it was that song about the glory of God. And in that moment, as we sang, we, we saw the glory of God. Great, great experience. But it, every time I think of this, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. I always remember what happened that night at Bar Calden. And the fact is, as believers, we have a huge say over what goes on. We can humble ourselves and pray and see things change, even the climate and the environment. So this passage to Chronicles 7.14, it teaches us that sometimes what happens isn't the fault of the unbelievers, it's the fault of the believers. (laughs) That we need to get ourselves right with God. That God does sometimes judge his children. That also, we see that there's a connection between climate and the spiritual condition of people. So sometimes you know, we could say that climate change is even spiritually caused and spiritually resolved. And of course, as, as God's people, if we walk with him and we're prayerful, that also blesses the land too. Back at the start of this chapter, it was saying that the, you know, the temple had been finished. Now in the New Testament, the temple is the body of Christ. It's God's people. It says in Peter, we're living stones being built together to be a house for God. So the temple, it already exists because it's already there, but it's also not complete, on the other hand, because the body of Christ, we have not yet finished being built together. There are parts of the body of Christ which don't function well together. They don't cooperate. And um, so you could say that there are diseases in the body of Christ. Well, there's parts of the temple that are not built yet. There are some parts that are broken down. So from a New Testament perspective, what are the obstacles to the body of Christ being finished off, to the temple being finished so that it can be filled with the glory of God, here's a few of the obstacles. Competition. Churches that compete with each other to be better. Pride. Churches that think they're better than each other. Arrogance. Churches and people that look down on others. Doctrinal differences. Sometimes people think different things and um, those differences can at times matter a great deal. An example of that is um, the doctrines of all the different variations on the doctrine of communion. So you've got transubstantiation, consubstantiation. Um, there's different versions on communion, but because of these differences, people don't have communion with each other. They think you're not doing it right. But what communion is, is fellowshipping together in the body and the blood of Christ. So there's something that's stopping the church from becoming one. Um, I've discovered um, that pastors are too busy to do things with other pastors. So they place a priority on their own things, but they don't place a priority on the body of Christ because they think their own work is more important. But the, the work of the body of Christ is actually more important. And when the body of Christ is whole and healthy, each individual part does better. So they don't understand They they look at scriptures that say things like love one another and they think it only applies in their own congregation. They don't realize it applies between congregations or prefer one another, it says in the book of Romans. Um, They don't realize that they're supposed to prefer their fellow Christians in other congregations above their own congregation. So all of these things are obstacles to the temple being built. So what you and I should do is we should pray and live for the completing of God's temple because when it's complete, guess what's going to happen? The glory of God's going to fill the temple and there's going to be a visible sign. At the start of this chapter, it said that fire came down from heaven and was on God's house. You know, there's only a few places in the Bible where fire comes down from heaven. It happens with Moses and the consecrating of the tabernacle. It happens with Elijah on Mount Carmel. It happens with Samson's parents. You know, I'm just trying to remember Manoah and... I've forgotten his mother's name. But his parents when they see an angel and fire comes down on their sacrifice but there's not very many places in the bible where the fire of god comes down from heaven and it happens here and so when the temple is built and finished and dedicated what we're going to have is fire <laughs> well we want that we want the body of christ to be powerful impacting assigned unbelievers so we should pray for the removal of competition pride arrogance doctrinal differences or at least the ones that that keep believers apart. You know, there are other doctrinal differences that don't matter much, but the ones that keep believers apart, they matter a lot. And uh, so we need to pray for all these things to be resolved so that God can have a finished temple. So Lord, thank you for the dedication of this Old Testament temple, but it's a symbol of the real one, which is the body of Christ and also of Christ. Lord, I pray that your temple would be completed. Your people would love one another. The body of Christ would be strong, every part doing its place. Lord, strengthen your work, I pray. May your people be of one heart and one mind. In Jesus' name, amen.